0: Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell Jr. Sample of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website www.h4gchurch.com. So, with the limited time that I have, I'm just going to stay in that flow. And I wanted to just tell you something, something that I really believe that in this season, and Ryan um, stepped into it worship team kind of stepped into it i really believe that the revelation of lordship the revelation of lordship is going to become prevalent again thank you for that one clap (laughs) that the revelation of lordship is going to become prevalent somebody say lordship. lordship how many of you know that it's a beautiful thing to have a lord I need you to understand that. It's a beautiful thing to have a Lord. Lord means master. It also means owner. So many of you are familiar with the term landlord. And so that um, you may have a, a, a house. Some of you might be landlords or you might live in a house and you have a landlord. And, and the, the thing about it is when we understand lordship, lordship is really more of an Eastern term. We don't really hear a lot about lords in America. But when you understand that Jesus Christ taking on the responsibility of being our Lord is a blessing to us. You see, because we did a a series a few months ago on stewardship. And we talked about how ownership is a myth. That we think we own stuff. Like we think we own our house. Or we think we own our clothes. Or we think we own our cars. Or whatever the case may be. But the Bible says the earth is the whose. The earth is the Lord's. And the what? Fullness thereof. So if everything in the earth belongs to the Lord. That includes you. And that includes the stuff you have. So while the world tries to speak and encourage ownership in the kingdom we talk about stewardship because what's a steward a steward is someone who manages the affairs or the properties of another so you're not you're not an owner you're a steward you're a steward a steward means that at the end of the day you're going to have to give an account for everything that you have that you're just borrowing stuff it's not yours when you understand that you're not an owner of things you hold on loosely because if the Lord has need of something you give it because it's his not yours so that also includes your money not yours the silver and gold is mine saith the lord we go through warfare and struggle because we're trying to hold on to stuff that don't even belong to us in the first place the reason why so many christians can't step into abundance and wealth is because they're stingy with what god has given them temporarily See, it's, it's actually harder to live as a steward than it is as an owner. Because you understand I have to be responsible for something that's not mine. Whereas if you think you own it, you think you can do whatever you want. That's the problem with most Americans. We think my life is my own, My time is my home. We're all on borrowed time, church. This body that you're living in, this body that you're in right now, this is, you're borrowing it. Say, I'm a steward of what God has given me. So there there is a, there is a dimension that God wants to open up for his people as we learn how to step foot and step hand in hand with him, that we will follow his lead. Because I'm not really supposed to be trying to live my life on my own. I'm supposed to be taking the directives and the instructions of my Lord. I preached a message a few, a few like two, three years ago called Living Under Lordship. And I talked, I talked, I talked about. How, as Christians, we're the only lords that have a master that actually wants to see his slaves do better than him. You see, if he's our master, that means we're slaves. And Paul said it. He said, I'm a slave to Christ. He's my master. He's my Lord. I'd say t- I wait for him to give me my directives. And the thing about our Lord is that our Lord actually wants to see us do better than him. He said... He said, uh, if we believe in him, the works that he does, we will do, and then greater works than these. Now, in slavery, the slave master didn't want slaves to become better than them. Our Lord wants to see us do greater works than him. Isn't that amazing? Our Lord wanted us to die. Our Lord died for him. I mean, died for us. Whereas other lords wanted their slaves to die for them. Sacrifice. If you don't understand lordship, you don't understand salvation because you are not The Bible says that you were bought with a price. If you were bought with a price, that means you were purchased. And if you were purchased, then that means someone owns you. Now, what was the price that our Lord paid for us? His own life, His death, Himself. Amen? Can that be purchased or paid for? Was that an insignificant price or a significant price? Is that a powerful price? It's priceless. And so if our, Lord, if our Lord purchased, if God sent his son to become our Lord to die for us, to purchase us out of this world, then that was an investment that was expensive to God. Now, if you make an expensive purchase, ladies, <laughs> if you purchase a nice, expensive pair of shoes, handbags, hair, whatever it is that you're purchasing, the good here, not the cheap here. The Malaysian hair. <laughs> if you, when you buy the good kind, expensive, you treat that differently than the cheap one, don't you? Now, I don't know how y'all keep, how to main, how y'all maintain your hair. But whatever it is, let's go back to something like shoes, all right, and, hair, and bags. When you know you've paid a good price for it, you make sure that you protect it. You make sure you put it back in the box after you wear it. You wipe it and clean it. You look after it because you know you paid a price for it. When you say that you're saved, you also need to understand that you're safe. I see so many Christians afraid of their future and afraid of where their life might end up because they don't know how safe they are. Not just saved, but safe. You see, because somebody is watching over you The Lord himself is watching over his investment. That when he purchased you at the cross, he understands I paid a price for this. That means you're valuable to him. And if you're valuable to him, then he means he's going to protect what he invested into. Somebody say protection. God protects his investments. So if he's... If he purchased and died for you, church, I need you to begin to see that God will look after you. It's as simple as that. He did a, he, you know, Jesus talked about the sheep, how, how the shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one, talking about you. And he says that he will go to great lengths to make sure that you are well taken care of. And if you get lost, he'll find you. You see, you got to understand that your security is not going to come by self-preservation. Because so many Christians stop following Jesus because they want to play it safe. The Lord told me to tell Hungry for God today that everything you need is on the other side of risk. And the reason why your life seems like it's paralyzed and your life seems like it's not moving forward is because you're still playing it too safe. God says the greater the risk you take in this season is the greater reward you're going to find in this season. God wants to reward risk takers. People who are going to be bold enough to do some things they've never done before. People who are going to step out on faith, because that's what faith really is, is taking the risks. Imagine Peter walking on water. That was a risk. The woman who pressed her way in to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, that was a risk. She did something she had no scripture for. She said, if I just touch. Mind you, other people were touching him along the way, and they didn't get healed. But for some reason, she had this thought in her head, if I do it, it's gonna work. (laughs) How you seeing this? Last is bringing the energy today. She took the risk. And I'm not even going to talk about the social ramifications of what she did. Because as a female, she shouldn't have done it. For a woman who was on her menstrual, she shouldn't have been around anybody. She broke the law to get healed. How many laws are you willing to break? How many laws are you going to be willing to break? Some of you are still playing too safe. We think Christianity is this safe, happy-go-lucky type of life. Christianity is the most dangerous life you can live. And so we got these puny, whimsical, easily offended Christians who don't look like their Lord. They don't look like him. They don't follow him. Mahatma Gandhi said, I love your Jesus, but I hate your Christians. <laughs> because he said, I see something in him that I don't see in y'all. Wow. I heard this story. I, and, and I, uh, Napoleon, is it, I think it was Napoleon, the French conqueror. Yes. He was going around destroying uh, Christian temples. And before he did that, here's what happened. He went, he he heard the gospel of John. He heard the gospel of John, and he was fascinated by Jesus. And Napoleon said to himself, this Jesus and this gospel, either this is fake or he's God because I know men. He said, I want to know this Jesus. Napoleon goes to a church. He goes into the, into the t- synagogues sen- or whatever was around where he was living. He goes in and he's like, this is not the person that I've seen in this Bible. He goes to another church, sees that there's no, there is this far distinct difference between the Jesus he heard in the Gospels to what he was seeing in the church. Napoleon got upset and started breaking down to churches. But when he heard the story, when he heard the Gospel of Jesus... He was mesmerized and fascinated by it. What I believe God is looking for now is that, listen, we've been trying to preach and reach people. I was driving past today and I heard this guy, bless his heart, he was on Utica Avenue. He had a mic in a box and he was preaching to people as they were walking past. Everybody was walking right past him. No, Utica. <laughs> no, nah, Utica and uh, Eastern Parkway. And he was walking past and I saw him preaching. I'm like, man, that guy's bold. He's brave, but he's not effective, not effective. And in his zeal and in his passion and in his desire to please God, he's going to keep doing it with no effect. Because I really believe, especially here in New York, we need Christians who are going to live lives that are attractive. Before we preach, you know, he said, go into the world and then preach. Right? Go and then preach. We got to go first. We have to go first. Say, I'm going to go first. What does that mean? That means I'm going to take the lead. That means I'm going to take the initiative. That means I'm going to provide the model for you to follow. That means I'm going to have the results that you're looking for. So when I preach, you see the quality of my go. You see my life. And then I I win a place of influence in your life. See, we're trying to preach with no influence. And we think if I just preach louder and over everybody, then they're going to want to listen. Nope. I really feel like the beauty of holiness, when, when we really walk in true holiness... Not the religious kind of holiness. Not the all white, long skirts, no makeup, doily on the head type of holiness. I'm talking about the holiness where we look like God. And people see God when they see us. People hear God when they hear us. And the Bible says it is a beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful when you see it. It's attractive. Everybody say attractive. Say, I want to live an attractive Christian life. And you know what people are attracted to in the world? People that win. Nobody's attracted to losers. Winning in life is the most attractional thing out there. That's why you got bandwagon jumpers, right? People leave one, like in sports. When the team that starts winning, people leave the team they used to chair the year before, and now they're on the new team that's winning. (laughs) Everybody loves to be around winners. Amen. The church has been losing. So nobody wants to go to church. It's as simple as that. (laughs) It it is something we should laugh about because we got to be real. We have not been winning in life. And so the Lord gave me a simple word today. He says that he (laughs) It's going to sound funny but he wants to break the loser mentality off of us. Yeah. Most people think coming to church, they're losing. Jesus said, what will the prophet of man to gain the whole world and then lose his own soul, right? But we didn't lose our soul. We gained our soul. We found ourselves in Christ. Paul said in in Philippians 3, he says, everything that I had to be my accomplishments and I counted as dung for the excellency of Christ because Paul understood where the real victory began. Not in how much stuff, not in much accolades and how much achievements I can get in this world, but the real victory starts with me getting a revelation of Jesus and saying yes to his lordship. So, Many Christians just stop right there. I said yes to Jesus, and I'm winning. So while you are winning, yes, from a spiritual standpoint, people who don't see you winning in the natural feel like you're losing. See, that's why blessing is so important. God needs you to be blessed. God wants the blessing to get to work in you because when the blessing starts, people get attracted to the blessings. You want me to prove it to you from the word? Yes? Psalm 67. I was going anyway. Psalm 67. Watch this. You got it? uh, Casey? I was going to say Casey Slater. Where is that from? Oh, AC. <laughs> All right, go here you go. Verse one God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face. To shine upon us. Let me read that again. Verse 1. God be merciful to us and bless us. You see what the, what blessing is contingent on? God's mercy. So you don't go to God and try to be. You got to go to God humble, right? God, you don't come to God entitled. God, you need to bless me. No. God be merciful to me and bless me. And cause his face to shine upon us his countenance his approval when the bible talks about God's face it's talking about his presence do you know that that when somebody when you're when you're in the presence of someone you're before their face you remember when when uh when if a king was well, if you lost the favor of a king the king would turn his back to you you can't see his face as a sign that you were no longer in his good graces. And when a king turned his back to you, that means you no longer have access to the blessing. So when, when David writes, God calls your face to shine on us, he's speaking about his favor. He's speaking about his approval. We need God's face to shine on us. When we start talking about seeing the face of God, know what you're talking about. When God's face is shining on your life, blessings and favor is indicative of that reality. God's face on you means He are blessed, He's blessing you. You have His approval, and that's what Jesus did for every one of us. Jesus being the face of God came to shine his light on us so that everyone who sees him, God begins to see that I get to to release my favor on them. But if you don't believe in him, he turns his back. But once you you say yes to Jesus, God begins to shine his face on you. I want you to say, Lord, shine your face on my life. And look what happens when he blesses you and he shines his face. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations so while he tells us to go into all the world preach the gospel then he says make disciples of all nations but i'm not going to be able to influence the nations if the mercy and the blessing of god is not at work in my life blessing looks like something i said blessing looks like something It don't look like misery. It don't look like hopelessness. It don't look like discouragement. And if you're walking around like that, then the blessing isn't at work. You need to learn how to get the blessing to get to work in your life. That's why Jabez prayed that prayer. Lord, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. Today's term will say bless me for real. I don't want a fake blessing, I don't want a cliche blessing, I don't want a religious church folk blessing, I want a for real kind of blessing, a blessing that other people see. He says that when you are blessed nations, the Bible says your, God's ways are going to be known on the earth and salvation amongst the nations. God wants to show himself as the God who blesses his children. But you got to learn how to get the blessing to work. Do you know how to get the blessing to work? I'm going to give you three, and I'm not even going to have time to do it. I'm going to give you three keys to winning in life. You ready? Do you want to win in life? He said, let the people praise you, God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Look at verse uh, 6. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. The earth shall yield her increase. See, God got stuff in reserve. That he's waiting to only release to his kids you think the Rockefellers got the stuff and the gates have it, have the stuff no God has stuff that he has not made known on the earth yet that he will only make known to his children who walk in the blessing and are taking that blessing seriously The Jews don't even have the blessing, but they're taking it seriously. You know that? They're not blessed. The blessing is on the church. But they understand the weight of it. And so they're trying everything in their power. That's why they use manipulation and they rob the system and they create the system so they can get the the benefit. They're trying to create their own blessing system. And we're walking around saying, wow, the Jews are so blessed. I don't want to get too political right now. But you got to stop saying that. You see, say, I say, I am, I am blessed. blessed and highly favored. Come on. And the face of God is shining on me. I'm going to park right there, and I'm going to show you something, because this is what happens. The Lord said, In his word, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, I want you to imagine your future with the blessing attached to it. Imagine your future with the blessing at work. How different will your future look if you were seven times blessed than you were today? How different will your future look if you were a hundred times more blessed? How about a thousand times more blessed? Turn to Deuteronomy 1 verse 11. Somebody say, Lord bless me. For real. Religion tries to make it seem like if you ask for blessing, you're being stingy or you're being selfish, or you're being greedy. But when you understand that blessing is one of the greatest evangelistic tools you have, that people will see your life and begin to become jealous for God. Do you know that the word blessed means to be envied? The word blessed means to be envied. You know why you're envied? Because the blessing is noticeable. Stop walking about this fake blessing. People need to see the blessing. That's how you get envied. Because they want what you have. Now you take that blessing and you understand it is not mine. It's his grace. It's his mercy. Why I'm blessed. And you can have it too if you say yes to Jesus. That's, that's what, this is what I believe 2020 ministry and evangelism is going to look like. You getting serious about the blessing, getting partnering up with God, say, God, whatever you want to do, bless me so that you can use me to be a blessing so that people can be envious and drawn to you because of the blessing on my life, and I just point them to you. Yeah. is that a lot more fun than trying to get up and preach with no results, no power, no favor? <laughs> Come on. People saw the blessing on Jesus and they wanted it. They wanted to people wanted to be around Jesus, even the sinners. That's why. See, and if you don't like people, you don't like blessing. The reason why God needs to develop your soul so you can so that you can so that you can have a greater appreciation for people is because when the blessing gets to work, people are going to be flocking to you. You're going to be attractive. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishes of men. You're going to reel them in. That's why we talk about love. Because if you don't love people, then when the blessing starts working in your life, you're wondering, why are all these people coming to me? Why are they reaching out to me? Why are they calling me? Why do they want to be around me? Because they got, they, you got something they want. And you're supposed to use that to reel them in. Not to you, but to Christ. Do you want to really win? When people start winning in life, we look at celebrities. How many of them hate their life and hate their fame? Because it's too much. All the attention is on them. People are following them everywhere. Why? Because people want what they have on the outside. And those celebrities don't have what you got on the inside. So what God needs are kingdom people who can handle the notoriety, handle the levels of success, and understand that my my identity is not wrapped up to this stuff. See, I don't measure me winning. I'm winning. I am winning. And I don't measure me winning because I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. (laughs) I don't measure me winning because I pastor the greatest church in New York City. Right? I don't measure winning because... I, I, I live in a million dollar neighborhood. Brownsville. <laughs> it really is a million dollar neighborhood now. <laughs> right? I don't measure winning because we drive in a, in a, in a luxury car. <laughs> That's all that is not winning to me. Winning for me starts. What I think about myself when I wake up in the morning. John said, beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health. Even as your bank account prospers. (laughs) Even as your what? Your soul prospers. Prosperity starts on the inside. Winning starts on the inside. You got to feel like a winner when you wake up in the morning. If you don't feel like it, you ain't going to win. And that's what your salvation produces for you. Come on, man. I wrote down some questions that I ask myself. And these are questions I ask myself without me even realizing I ask myself this. This is how I, I check to make sure that I'm prospering internally so that I can be positioned to prosper externally. So I ask myself questions like, do I love myself? Do I love myself? And when I ask, when I say these questions, I want you to think about it for yourself. Do you love yourself? If you don't, you can't prosper. By asking yourself that question, you got to understand if you don't love yourself, figure out why. Because this deals with your your sense of significance on the earth. If you don't love yourself, then you feel like you don't matter. If you don't matter, then that means you're going to live an insignificant life. Because you're going to walk into rooms and think you don't matter. When you do, you're a big deal. Jesus died for you. You see, the gospel changes your sense of self-worth. Because you realize God's love for you is what you base your love for yourself upon. Because he loves me, I love myself. Because he thought I was lovable, I love myself. See, now this is how you let the gospel work on your soul so that you can be able to gain the whole world and not lose your soul. Because he said to go into all the world, disciple nations. So he actually wants us to gain the world, but he doesn't want us to gain the world at the expense of losing our soul. So if I learn how to prosper in my own soul first, then God can take me anywhere in the world and I won't lose it. Come on, I gave my life to the one who died for me. So now he can send me anywhere in the world and no one can buy me. No one can buy me. I'm not for sale. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I know who I belong to. I know who owns me. You see, because if you're not sold out before you go out, you'll sell out. So God can't send us nowhere because we haven't given our lives. That's why we surrender. That's why we surrender. Not so that you can stay in the comfort zones of your church. God needs you to get ready to enter into a world where there is sin on every side, temptations on any side, but I'm not attracted to it. I got one thing that I desire above it all, and that's what I will continue to seek after. Woo! Hallelujah. So God needs to, wants to trust us with influence. He wants to trust us with impact. He wants to trust you before he sends you. That's why Jesus needed to be tempted in the wilderness when no one was looking. The first thing that happened, he got baptized. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. I want to see what you're going to do when no one is looking. If Jesus sold out, if Jesus sold out when no one was looking, his cross would have been a hoax. Somebody thank Jesus for not selling out. <laughs> and Satan tried, right? He showed them all the kingdoms of the world, said, "I'll give it to you." <laughs> I'll give you all of these things if you bow down and worship me but guess what Jesus knew who he was and he didn't have to look for stuff to get his validation he got his validation when he heard the father said this is my son in whom I am well pleased so when the devil said if you are the son of God do this if you're the son of God turn these stones into bread I already know who I am I know who I am Hello, future. I know who I am. You can tell me something that I don't know about myself already. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.